We are on Yavamos Kuf Amabez 100b as we continue on in the Gemara. We finished off with uh, the Mishnah, the last Mishnah of this chapter. Uh, we are almost done with with uh, this chapter, the 11th chapter. <coughs> Excuse me. And the last Mishnah discusses a case where we know who the mother is of this child, uh, but because she has sexual relations within uh, three months between, let's say, the first husband and the second husband. So we don't know who the father is. So it discusses a case where we don't know who the father is. And as we mentioned in the last recording, the mission discusses many different ramifications. The Gemara uh, for today uh, will we'll discuss some of those ramifications, um, as we will see. Uh, again, the mission discussed cases where we don't know who the father is. The father might be a Kohen. The father might be Yisrael, uh, because we just we just don't know whether uh, the child is the child from the first marriage or from the second marriage. Uh, but the but the Mishnah also discussed cases where both uh, husbands of this mother they were both Kohanim, so we know that the child is a Kohen, but there still might be various ramifications even within the realm of of the laws for Kohen. Uh, because since you don't know who your father is, there might be various ramifications uh, with regards to that. That that's what the the Mishnah discussed, as we had in the last recording. Uh, so that will be important as we as we <laughs> excuse me as we discuss our Gemara, um, as we go through our Gemara. Uh, it is also important to note that the Gemara will discuss what exactly is the case of the Mishnah. Is it a case of where she was married uh, to the to the first guy, either he died or they got divorced and then she got married to somebody else. Maybe it's not even a case of marriage. Uh, well, that the Gemara itself will get into as we will see. Uh, one ramification, that this is just one line in the Gemara, was that let's say, forget about Kohanim, she she was married to uh, two different people, uh, to first the first husband and then to the second husband, and she did not wait the three months that she's supposed to wait for. Um, and so she has a child, and we don't know whether the child is from the first husband or from the second husband. However, both uh, both husbands they have other children, not from uh, from a different marriage. Each of them have from a different marriage. They have other uh, sons, and so the Mishnah said that let's say this person who we don't know who the father is, he is married and he passes away without any children. Uh, so then, in that case. Since you don't know who the brother-in-law is, whether it's the brother-in-law from the first marriage or from the second marriage, uh, the Mishnah says that one group, whether it's from the first husband or from the second husband, one of the brothers who's uh, only a brother from the father, not a brother from the mother, they do chalitza, and then the other brother could do yibum. So the Gemara just points out, The Gemara points out something that we've had in the past, that it has to be specifically in that order. You first have to do chalitza. One of the brothers first uh, of the two sets. We don't know which one which one is the actual brother-in-law. So you first have to do chalitza. One of the sets, one of the one potential brother-in-law has to do chalitza. The, then the other one could do yibum. The reason why this works is because once the first one does chalitza, so either he's actually the brother-in-law and he does chalitza. This now allows her to marry anybody else who's not a brother-in-law. Once she does chalitza, and so then once you have, let's say, uh, a brother, another brother, uh, 
from, let's say, the, the second husband. Uh, so either they're actually doing Yibam, either the original Chalitza was nothing because it wasn't a real brother-in-law, and now she's doing Yibam. Or if it was Chalitza, she's now allowed to get married, and so now she's essentially marrying her, or just a random person, assuming that he's a, he might be the random person and it's just a regular marriage. It could be that it's her brother-in-law, and then uh, they're doing Yibam. So you first have to do Chalitza so that she's now allowed to marry anybody, uh, even if it's not... She's allowed to marry anybody from the, from the Shuk, every, anybody from the outside. Okay, that was the point of that first line of the Gemara. The Gemara now discusses a new topic, uh, which we'll see, we'll relate back to the Mishnah. But essentially, Shmuel says as follows. Amr Shmuel, Shmuel says, uh, and I'll just explain what the Gemara is going to conclude, and then we'll see the different steps, how, how, we, how the Gemara gets there. But essentially, Shmuel says that if there's a situation where we know that the child is a Kohen, but we don't know who the who the father is. It might be one of, let's say, ten or two or three Kohanim. We just don't know who the father is. But we know that the child is a Kohen. Shmuel's ruling will be that he's not allowed to serve in the base of Migdash. He cannot serve in the temple because there's a ruling. We'll see if this is the rabbinic ruling, although that's not simple in the beginning. But this is a rabbinic ruling that they cannot serve in the temple if they don't know who their father is. They have to know who their father is. And more than that, according to the conclusion of the Gemara, it's not just that they have to know who their father is, but they, it's, only, it, it's only in a situation where the mother was had sexual relations not in the context of a marriage. It's outside of a marriage. She has sexual relations with, let's say, two Kohan, potentially, or, or we just don't know which one. It could even be one Kohen, and we just don't know which one. Um, and so it's a situation of sexual relations outside the context of marriage. So because of the two combined, A, the mother had sexual relations outside the context of marriage with this Kohen, and B, we don't know who the father is because of the two combined, we will say that this child, uh, the son, cannot uh, serve in the base Hamikdash. Um, so that is, that is Shmuel's ruling. So let's see this inside. There are various steps to get there, but that will be the conclusion of Shmuel. Amr Shmuel, Asar Kohanim Omdim Mehem the Baal Havlad Shduki. If we have ten Kohanim in a room, one of them separates from the group, has sexual relations with a woman, and then she gives birth. The child is what we refer to as a Shduki, as in Stoke, Stoke, be quiet. We be quiet because we don't want to know who, because people, when, they, when he asks, Who's my father? we say, Be quiet, don't, don't ask these questions. Because we don't know, it's one of these ten, we don't know which one separated from the group, but they're all Kohanim, so we know that the child is a Kohen, we just don't know who his father is. So my shtuki, with regards to what halachic principle do we say that uh, we tell him to keep quiet? What's the, this is obviously this is a halachic idea, this is not just we tell him to keep quiet. If it's just, we tell him we don't know who his father is with regards to the laws of inheritance, because it could be any of those ten, that's obvious. Obviously, we don't know who the father is. It could be any of those ten. We don't need Shmuel to teach us that, that ruling. So it means that with regards to the laws of Kahuna, what we just mentioned, that with regards to the laws of Kahuna, in terms of him serving in the temple, we say, we tell him, no, you're not allowed to, even though we know he's a Kohen, we say, no, we don't tell him who his father is so that he doesn't serve in the temple. My time, what's the reasoning behind this, so we'll see that it's not as simple as what the Gemara is saying right now, but they say this is a verse, Amar Kra. The verse says in the context of, of Pinchas, who, who 
was a, became a Kohen, it says, The verse says, For him, for Pinchas, and for his uh, descendants, there's a connection that has to be made between the father and the child. If you don't, are you? If you're not able to make that connection, so then you can't be you can't be a kohen. You can't serve in the base of Megdash, in the temple. That's that's what the that's that's what's derived from that particular verse. So Rav Kahana has Rav Papa, sorry, has the following question: if you're telling me that this is only a ruling which applies to Kohanim, Kohanim need to have uh, an understanding of their lineage. They have to know who their parents are. They have to know who their father is. So what do you do with the verse by Avram? Avram by Avram and uh, the passing on from generation to generation of the Jewish people. It says that Hashem will be a God to us, Ulezar, to you, to you Avram, Ulezar, and to all of your descendants. Seemingly it says the same exact thing, a similar idea that there has to be this connection to your descendants. And in fact, earlier in the tractate, there were those, clearly not this opinion, but there were those who said that uh, the reason why you have to wait three months also, it's not just uh, so that you know who your father is, so that uh, whatever the case is, you don't end up marrying a relative or various uh, other halachic ramifications, but it's just so that in order to have uh, the Shechina, God, dwell amongst us, we need to have an understanding of our lineage. That's clearly not the position here of this particular uh, position of Rav Papa uh, and, of, and of Shmuel, but um, potentially, uh, but that, that is a way to understand that verse, that even when it comes to not just Kohanim, but to Yisrael as well, we all have to have an understanding of our lineage in order for the Shechina, for God's presence to dwell amongst us. But the Gemara here asks, if this is something which is unique to Kohanim, which is what you were suggesting uh, in the last line, so then why do we have this line with regards to Avram, which has to, do the, has to do with the entire Jewish people, that you have to have an understanding of your lineage? So the Gemara says something very interesting. There was a commandment to Avram, and this seemingly is a commandment to the entire Jewish people, that you are not allowed to get married to a non-Jew. The reason why Avram cannot get married to a non-Jew is because if he gets married to a non-Jew, the child is not Jewish. Something that we've seen many times in this tractate. Uh, whether a person is Jewish is based on the mother. If Avram, if the male were to marry somebody who's not Jewish, the child won't be Jewish. This is a biblical prohibition, apparently, uh, to marry, that there's a prohibition to marry a non-Jew. Now, we've had uh, multiple discussions about this. It's really not so simple whether it's a biblical prohibition or a rabbinic prohibition. Because on a biblical level, the whole concept is just uh, thrown out. Uh, but this is a this is a, a biblical commandment uh, saying that you cannot mar- given to Avram that you cannot marry uh, a non-Jew because the children will be going based off of uh, off of the mother, and then the children will not be Jewish. So it seems to be a biblical prohibition. Uh, even if you don't want to say it's a biblical prohibition, there still is a rabbinic prohibition. Uh, even if it's without intention to have children, there would still be that rabbinic prohibition. Uh, but this seemingly is uh, is a biblical prohibition that was given to Avram. Okay, and that's how you can explain that uh, line. Uh, and it's not about the fact that for Yisrael you need to have a yichus, you need to have an understanding of who your parent, of your father is. 
No, that's something which is unique to Kohanim. That line is really to teach you that you cannot marry in Anjou. So the Gemara has another question on this line of Shmuel Meseve. We have the following question. There was a, the, uh, uh, the, the Mishnah says, there was a case, the, the mission discussed the case where, similar case, but it was about a woman who wasn't sure whether or not she should do Yibum, and she ended up doing Yibum within uh, the first three months, three months. So we don't know if the child is a child from the first husband or from the brother-in-law. And it says, Rishon Roy Elias Kohen Gadol. And within that Mishnah, in that case, we don't know whether the child is from her husband who passed away or whether it's from the brother-in-law, the person she did Yibam with. Either way, it's that child is completely fine. We just don't know whether it's from the original husband, but that child, the Mishnah says, it's fit to be the Kohen Gadol. He can become the high priest. That goes against Shmuel. Shmuel said that if you don't know who your father is, even if you know they're both Kohanim, the husband and the brother-in-law, they're both Kohanim, uh, but still, you shouldn't be able to be the Kohen Gadol. You can't be the high priest to serve because you need to know who your father is. That's a special ruling that Shmuel just uh, told us about. So here the Gemara backtracks a little bit and says, you know what? The Pasuk is not really telling it to us on a biblical level. It's really on a rabbinic level. He just quoted the verse to tell you that uh, there's a hint to it in the Torah but it's really all on a rabbinic level. Not only is it on a rabbinic level, but And now that it's only now that we know that it's only on a rabbinic level, it only applies in situations where the mother had sexual relations outside the context of marriage with the Kohen. You don't know which who the Kohen is. Uh, you don't know who the father is, and that's the case. Uh, but it's specifically in a situation where she had sexual relations outside the context of marriage. The Mishnah that you asked the question on about the fact that we said he could become the Kohen Gadol, he could end up becoming the high priest, that was a case where it was clearly through marriage. She was first married to her husband. Her husband passed away. Then she did Yibum. She married her brother-in-law. That's all in the context of marriage. So in the context of marriage, he could still serve as a Kohen. In fact, he could become the Kohen Gadol. He could become the high priest, even though he doesn't know who his father is, even on a rabbinic level, on a biblical and rabbinic level. The whole concept of Shmuel is that on a rabbinic level, we'll say that if you don't know who your father is and the mother had sexual relations outside the context of marriage, we don't know who the father is, we just know that he's a Kohen. So then in such a scenario, uh, we will say that uh, on a rabbinic level, the child cannot uh, serve in the, uh, in the base of Megdash, in the, uh, in the temple. So the Gemara now is about to ask the following question based on our Mishnah. And this is really why uh, we are bringing in uh, this whole idea of Shmuel is for the following question, and the question is going to be based on our Mishnah. So again, just to review, Shmuel says that on a rabbinic level, if you don't know who the father is, even if you know if the father is a Kohen, you just don't know who the father is, he cannot serve in the base of Megdash, in the temple. He can't serve in the base of Megdash. The Gemara is going to suggest, this is just the structure of the Gemara, that our Mishnah is a case where we don't know who the father is, and it's also a case where, let's say, both father, potential fathers are, are uh, Kohanim. Um, and the Gemara will prove that it's really the case of Shmuel, because Shmuel's case is also limited to a case where the mother had sexual relations outside the context of marriage, and it's only in that case where it applies. And the Gemara will suggest, well, 
the case of our Mishnah is also a case where she had sexual relations outside the context of marriage. And the Gemara will try to prove, we could prove that it's not a case where the first husband was a husband and then he died. And it's not a case where the first husband was a husband and then they got divorced. That can't be. It must be a case of sexual relations outside the context of marriage. And yet the Mishnah also says that he's allowed to serve in the temple. So that seems to go against Shmuel. That's what the Gemara is going to ask. And they're going to try to prove how we know all all this is true, that it can't be a case where uh, the first husband was a husband and either died or, or or they got divorced. The Gemara will prove that. And they'll ask this question in Shmuel. The Gemara will then answer it with two different ways of understanding the Mishnah, of really how we can understand the Mishnah is within, within the context of marriage. So let's see the Gemara. Is it really true that there's such a rabbinic prohibition in the context of sexual relations outside the context of marriage where we don't know who the father is, that the child, even though we know he's a Kohen, cannot serve in the temple? But we have our Mishnah. The cases where a woman has the first husband and then three, within three months has the second husband. What's the case? What's the case of the first husband? If it's a case where she was married and then the first husband died and then she marries a second husband within the first three months. But, but one of the cases, one of the ramifications is that uh, they both observe the laws of aninos, of being an onen, of the fact that uh, you're an onen, which is a halachic status before, after they die, before the burial, uh, that uh, they can't serve, and they also, various laws, they, they don't perform mitzvos during that time, uh, right after the death, before the burial. So, with regards to the child, the child could become an onen, he could have a status of being an onen, uh, at, after the death of the second one, and even if the first one died, there's also a concept of observing mourning, of velus mourning, and this concept of aninos. If, let's say, they move the bones. Anytime they move the bones, it's an important thing to remember. Uh, so then, that in that case also, uh, he would observe mourning and aninos. But what does it mean that the, the, the fathers also observe it for him? Both fathers would have to observe it for him because they don't know whether it's his... Each one doesn't know whether or not it's his child. But how, how could the Mishnah say that they both observe the laws of aninos, of uh, of of mourning and of uh, also being an onim, which is t- from the time of the death to the burial, but the first one's not alive. Well, how can the Mishnah ever say that they both, both fathers... Uh, observe the laws of Aninus, the first father died according to this explanation. So it can't be a case where she was married to the first husband and the husband died. It can't, it can't be. Because if the husband died, so then the mission would never be able to say that that first husband also observes the laws of mourning uh, or Aninus uh, on, on the child out of just out of doubt because we don't know whether or not it's his, his child. But he, he's dead already. He can't observe anything. Ve'ela begrusha, you're going to tell me, you know what? No, this is what the case is. The first husband and then they... Uh, uh, she was married to her first husband, and then they got divorced. And then she married her second husband within the first three months. So you don't know whether the child is from the first husband or from the second husband. What does it mean? means not after the husband died, but after they got divorced. But how, that can't be true either. But we say in the, in the end of the Mishnah, that because we don't know who the father is and the child, right? We don't know who the father is. 
So out of, out of doubt, out of stringency, we say that when they die, even though a Kohen is allowed to go to the funeral of his immediate relative, but he can't become impure for them because we, we don't know whether or not it's the actual father. And they, both fathers, also can't become impure to him. So the Gemara says, The fathers cannot become impure and can't go to his funeral because maybe it's not their child. That I understand. But the fact that the son, he cannot go to either father, potential father's funeral and become impure, I don't understand why not. I understand for the second husband, uh, you can't go. You can't go because maybe he's the child of the first husband. And uh, he's a Kohen, he's a valid Kohen, so he cannot become impure by going to the funeral of the second potential husband, potential father. El Larishon, but to the first one, I don't understand. Latamale, he should be able to become impure. Why? Mimanashach. Ibre, who shepherd come atamale. Vi Barbasra, who shepherd come atamale. Dechalalhu. I don't understand. Either he's the child of the first marriage, and then he's allowed to go to his own father's funeral. But if he's the child of the second marriage, what's the case here? Where they got divorced? If she got divorced, she's not allowed to marry a Kohen. Somebody who's divorced is not allowed to marry a Kohen. She enters her second marriage and marries a Kohen. That child is, referred, is what we refer to as a Chalal, somebody who's disqualified from being a Kohen. If he's disqualified from being a Kohen and he's really the child of the second marriage, so he's allowed to become impure anyways because he's the child of, of, uh, of an illicit relationship for a Kohen. The Kohen is not allowed to marry the wife. The wife is divorced. So he should be able to become impure uh, because either he's the, he, it's his father, or if he's the child of the second marriage, he, he's a chalal. He's not even a, a valid Kohen. So the case cannot be. So how can the Mishnah say that he's not allowed to become impure uh, and go to the funeral of the second one, uh, uh, sorry, of the first one, uh, of the first husband? It's not true if it's a case of where they got divorced, where the first husband and, and wife, they got divorced. So it can't be a case where the husband died. It can't be a case where they got divorced. So it can't be a case of marriage. So what's the case? So the Gemara concludes, Ela la biznos. Umay achar ba'ela achar ba'ol avigdani seifa ola b'meshmer shalzev v'shalzev v'ziyuf to dishmuel. So it must be a case where it's not a case of marriage. What it means, when it says husband, it doesn't really mean husband. It means not ba'ala, but ba'ala. It means that they had sexual relations. And the point is, is that she had sexual relations outside the kinds of marriage with one Kohen. And then within three months, she has sexual relations with another Kohen. Also outside the, the, the context of marriage. And so we don't know who the father is, but we know that the father is a Kohen. And yet the Mishnah says, in the end, the Mishnah says that he's allowed to uh, serve in the temple. He's allowed to serve in the base of Mikdash. So this goes against Shmuel. Shmuel says that there's a rabbinic prohibition. So how could this be? So the Gemara is going to give a few answers how to explain the Mishnah. You know, really it's not a case of sexual relations outside the context of marriage. Really, it is within the context of marriage. Two ways of explaining it. The Gemara explains as follows, and, and therefore it's not a question on Shmuel. So Amr of Shmaya says, answer number one, it's a case of Mian. What is Mian? Mian is a case where um, she, she gets married under the age of 12. It's an arranged marriage under the age of 12, and she's allowed to back out of that marriage. Once she reaches the age of 12, she's allowed to back out of that marriage um, and then it's viewed retroactively as though the marriage never existed to begin with. And so she has the right to back out of it. And that's what she did. She was originally married under uh, the age of 12 uh, by, by, by her mother. Um, and she backs out of it. 
And so once once that's the case, so it's not it's not viewed as divorce because retroactively it's viewed as a non-marriage. The 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 first husband's still alive and the second husband's alive. Then she gets married to a second husband when she becomes a an adult above the age of twelve. That's the case. The Gemara says, "Wait a minute, now, that can't be." I understand. If it's really talking about a case of Mema'enes and really she's under the age of 12 and she backs out of the marriage, well, she can't have kids. Okay, but then it's impossible for the child to be from the first marriage or, or the uprooted first marriage. She can't have any kids at that time. Because we taught, and this is something which we had earlier in the tractate, there are three women who are allowed to use a moch, who are allowed to use a cloth to... Uh, remove the semen so that they don't become pregnant. They're allowed to uh, babies basically use a form of birth control, which we discussed at the time, which we're not going to discuss now, but exactly uh, how is this allowed and whether it's required or is it just optional. But there are three women. One of them is if she's a minor. One of them is if she's already pregnant. And one of them is if she's nursing. Why? Uh, if she's a minor, we're concerned that she'll become pregnant and she might die. Uh, or she will die. Uh, if she's pregnant, so the Gemara thought at the time that if she's pregnant, she become pregnant again, and uh, crush it'll, it'll it'll crush the baby, and then Menika and if she's nursing, we're concerned that she'll lose her milk, and then the baby will will die. That's something. All these cases we've discussed earlier, way way back in the beginning of the tractate, uh, we discussed these cases, but it goes on to say. And what we're discussing here when we say that a minor uh, is is allowed to use this form of birth control to prevent her from getting pregnant because we're concerned that if she becomes pregnant then she'll die, it's only from the age of 11 to 12. Only from 11 to 12 do we have such a concern that she'll die from the pregnancy uh, and that we'll be, we're, we're very concerned that she'll die because less than 11 she can't become pregnant. Um, uh, above the age of twelve, it, it won't be as dangerous, um, and she could ju- she could uh, just have sexual relations in the regular in the regular way without using this cloth, without birth control. That's the position of Rameir. Basically, this is a dispute. Rameir says that they have to use this, uh, or they should use, or they have the option of using this birth control. That's a whole discussion. The Chachamim, the majority, says that no, you have to rely on Hashem because this is so common and it's and it's been done and this is what people are used to. Uh, so therefore, you have to rely. Uh, Hashem will will protect uh, will protect them. Either way, the point of bringing all this down is to say that if she's under twelve and the first marriage was all when she was under twelve, well, either she can't have kids, she can't become pregnant, or if she becomes pregnant, she'll die. The point is that she, she's not going to have children. So it can't be a case. The case is we're not sure whether it's from the first husband or the second husband. Of course it's not from the first husband, if that's the case, because she can't have children from the first husband. So that is a suggestion which is rejected. And now we come on to the final answer. What's the case of the Mishnah? It's not a case where she had sexual relations outside the context of marriage, and then it'll be a question on Shmuel. No, the case is Bikidushe Taos. The case is where when they got engaged, they got she got engaged to the husband, but it was on a certain condition, and that condition was never met. And so since that condition was never met, so retroactively, it's like they were never engaged. 
Essentially, the ruling is that there's two cases where uh, a woman is allowed to stay married to her husband after she commits uh, a former, let's say she has sexual relations with somebody else other than her husband. One case is if she's raped, God forbid. In that case, she's allowed to stay married to her husband. And the second case is, let's say she gets engaged on a certain conditions. In the meantime, she has sexual relations with somebody else, willingly. But the, the engagement is not fulfilled because those conditions weren't met. It's like they were never married. So it's not viewed as sexual relations within the context of marriage. Uh, because it's like they were never married. So then it, she, she, she thought, she, maybe she thought she was married, but the, 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 she thought she was halakhically engaged. But, uh, but she really wasn't. And so she's allowed to, let's say, stay married to, to that. She's allowed to get married to that, to that man because it's not viewed as adultery because it's like it was null and void. The whole, the whole engagement was based on certain conditions. Those conditions weren't met. That's the case of the Mishnah. Essentially as follows. She's an adult. She's above the age of 12. The first husband is a husband where she was halakhically engaged to. Um, she has such relations with him. And, uh, but the conditions are met. So retroactively, he's still alive. Uh, but it's not viewed as a divorce. It's not viewed as a divorce. It's retroactively, the the engagement is null and void. Then she marries her second husband, has sexual relations with him, and they and she has a child. We don't know if it's from the first or from the second. But even according to Shmuel, that wouldn't disqu- we know that he's a Kohen. It wouldn't he would be allowed to serve because in the temple because uh, it was all within the context of what they assumed was a marriage. But if it's a case, and this is the whole point, and we'll conclude with this. If it was a case where uh, it's sexual relations outside the context of marriage. Uh, but we don't, and we don't know who the father is. But we know that the father was a Kohen. Then, in that case, Shmuel's ruling is that on a rabbinic level, he's not allowed to serve in the temple in the base of Mikdash. We will continue with the Gemara on one hundred and one in the next recording.